It is Friday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be with you for last show of the week and a good one at that. Uh, Bobby Nightingale Jr., Twins beat writer from the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a little while to talk uh, hot stove off-season. It's been a cool cool stove a little bit uh, so far this year all we've really seen in the majors is you know a few trades a few um notable free agent signings seems like a lot of what's happened actually already so far is twins uh twins pitchers getting signed elsewhere you got Sonny gray kenta maeda and uh, emilio pagan already off of last year's twins leaving some sizable holes bobby and i will talk about you know what what they need to do to kind of shore up some pitching spots, um, what the trade market looks like. Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, perhaps Christian Vasquez could all be dealt this offseason as the Twins try to shed some payroll and get better at the same time, which in a lot of cases are hard things to square up. So Bobby and I will talk about that in a little bit. The whole show kind of dominated by the influence of money. Talk about the Twins and their payroll, how that influences how competitive they'll be next season. Hey, if payroll was unlimited, infinite, Sonny Gray would probably be a twin still, right? They'd just pay him his money, and he would still be their number two starter, and you'd feel a lot better about next year's team. But that is not the reality of the Twins. It's not the reality of the Gophers either. We'll get to them in a little bit here. Um, what, you know, call name, image, likeness, PJ Fleck went in on that. Again, we'll talk about that in just a moment here. Uh, big decision in golf. Got to get to that too. Wild. Some hockey stuff at the end of the show as well. Uh, first though, what I missed, like I foreshadowed, um, PJ Fleck is in on the name, image, likeness discussion again, talking on Thursday, previewing the Quick Lane Bowl. Gophers uh, in the Quick Lane Bowl in just a couple weeks now, December 26th in Detroit. He officially named Cole Kramer the starting quarterback for that game. No surprise there. He's really one of two quarterbacks still on the roster right now, or still able to play right now. Um, freshman walk-on Max Shikinjansky being the other. So Cole Kramer... Um, going to be the starter for the Gophers in the in the bowl game. No surprise there. Not really a surprise, I guess, either that PJ would talk again at length about name image likeness, but he, he's been very honest and open and candid about kind of how he how he looks at the portal, what its impact has been, and what the cost of players are. Um, you know, talking talking in the in that uh, video news conference before, you know, kind of in advance of the Quick Lane Bowl said on Thursday I've heard numbers this week, whether real or not, that just make your jaw drop that are pretty much most of our entire NIL total. He's talking about, you know, Matt Rule talked about transfer quarterbacks going for one to two million dollars. And Flex said that's almost any position talking about the top end guys in the portal. And, you know, he's talking about how they've been they've gotten better with Town athletes. That's gotten to be a better you know, a, be- a better collective. They've raised more money, helped them keep players like I wrote about and talked about this week. Darius Taylor, Daniel Jackson, Justin Wally. He said, Flex said, Dickytown Athletes has done a really good job of, of providing our student athletes with a lot of support. I love where we're at. We can always be bigger, but we're way bigger than we were last year. We're making huge strides. That said, he understands where they're at. Um, they're not 
you know they're not talking about two million dollar quarterbacks they're, they're they're kind of looking for people who cost less money they're kind of shopping in the same lane that the twins do a lot of times in free agency you know, the twins have broken that mold somewhat in recent years especially with carlos correa but typically the twins and and these lower payroll teams in other sports are not shopping at the high end, you know, are not in on the most expensive free agents, typically. Like I said, Carlos Correa was an exception to that. The Twins have broken out of some of that mold lately. But in general, that's where they are shopping, and the Gophers are no exception. It's kind of how you have to think of them now in in how they are able to compete. You know, so I think a guy like Max Brosmer, um, I've been calling him Brosmer, by the way. Then I watched a bunch of highlights earlier this week, um, and all the New Hampshire folks call him Brosmer. So Max Brosmer, um, you know, Fleck talking about him, he, he, they, they like him a lot. He said, one thing I love about the young man we just committed um, – who just got who just got committed talking about Brosner is NIL was the last thing we even talked about. In fact, that wasn't even talked about until after he committed. We were able to get a really, really good one, a really special one. So, you know, that's just that's just interesting. You know, the Gophers, it's it's a different conversation now that you're having to have with players, that you're having to have with you know how how you build a program it's no longer just about what you're selling in terms of you know culture in terms of potential education in terms of winning you're selling money and you know whether that's good or bad is a little bit irrelevant because it's here and wh- what would you do by the way if you were 19 20 years old if you're already out of school or if you're trying to decide if you're going to transfer and some other school is offering you half a million dollars a million dollars to go play college football for that school instead of the one you're at it would be a hard decision to turn that down and say no no i'm going to stay at this place where maybe i'm not playing as much or i'm not going to get paid as much that would be a hard thing to do so i get why all this movement is happening i do wonder if there's going to have to be some sort of regulation on this so it's not just kind of the wild west west not like free agency every season like you 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 know you go you get to you get to the pros you can sign someone for a multi-year contract you can not have to worry about renegotiating every year these co- you know in college athletics that's not the case every year it's like these guys are free agents if they want to be something might need to be done in terms of term and length and things like that but right now this is the reality pj fleck is dealing in it he's trying to do the best he can but it, it is a different kind of playing field from the one he is used to and money is ruling college sports it's also ruling golf the other big story i want to get to before the break and before we talk to bobby nightingale jr john rom going to live golf for more than 300 million dollars unbelievable totals unbelievable sums of money being thrown around in golf these days i think i read that he made a little over 16 million on the pga tour last year he was really successful won the masters had a big big season but when you go to live golf, you have guaranteed money. You're you know you're, you're playing shorter tournaments. It's just an easier kind of lifestyle if you can stomach the idea of a going away from the better tour and b uh, if you can stomach what that tour stands for and, and the backing that it has and where that money is coming from. Apparently, John Rom can live with that. No pun intended. Um, and and it's just. You know, again, what what a hard decision, right? It kind of boils down to what are you what are you setting yourself up for? I mean, to me, sixteen million dollars is you know 
money that sets you up for life, what he made from, from PGA Tour this year. But $300 million is a completely different discussion. So I get why this is tempting. I get why some of these guys are defecting, why this is already happening. Again, it's just an, uh, another example of how money and the specter of it and you know places that have a lot more of it are changing the way we think about sports. So I don't know. This isn't really brand new, right? Like we've been dealing with this in a lot of different sports for a lot of different times, but the, the, the amounts and the disparities I feel like are growing and growing, and that is what is changing sports to me right now. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Happy to be joined today by Bobby Nightingale, Star Tribune Twins beat writer. Bobby was in Nashville earlier this week for baseball meetings. Um, Rocco Baldelli was there. Derek Falvey was there. A lot of talk, but not a lot is happening so far, either with the Twins or kind of baseball-wide. The, the hot stove, um, you, you turn it on a lot later than you used to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, I think there's a lot of people wishing there was like a like a deadline almost set where it's almost like you have to do something early on just because you go through the first month of the season and there wasn't really much activity from any team, really. I mean, Aaron Nola went back to the Phillies. Sonny Gray went to the Cardinals. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of former Twins players went places like Kent Maeda and Emilio Pagan, but um, not really the big splashy stuff like Otani's still out there. Uh, Yamamoto, the big Japanese pitcher who's been like the their equivalent to the Cy Young for the last three years, he's still out there. Um, it kind of got saved a little bit to the last day, Juan Soto getting traded to the Yankees and um, a, f- a few more guys signing. But until then, it was like a super quiet winter meetings, and you kind of saw some national stories that were almost like, uh baseball this is like an entertainment sport we need some entertainment what what do we attribute that to is that just sign of the times i I think you maybe alluded to a little bit of you know the otani market is such a big one that if teams are in on him then they might have to wait a little bit there's the tv money stuff out there why do you think teams are you know maybe slowly dipping the toes in instead of diving in and making big splashes yeah, I think it's partially what you both, you know, both accounts like Otani, a generational free agent, especially if he goes back to pitching, um, you know, he's going to get a record contract. I mean, people are saying $500 million plus, um, you know, so it'll be the biggest contract in North American sports history. Uh, and then the pitcher from Japan, he's only 25 years old. Uh, and there's really one Soto might be next year, but there's really never, ever 25 year old free agents let alone one that's accomplished the same in uh, Japan. So it's like, clearly you have a top pitcher and clearly the best position player, um, you know, of this generation. So then it's like, okay, now what do you, um, you know, you probably have seven or eight teams that are like, okay, we're going to commit hundreds of millions of dollars to these players. And if they don't get them, all the tier of free agents below them are like, okay, then, you know, we're the backup plan for plan B's, but you need plan A's to go off the board before plan B's. Um, and, and then also too the, the TV money. I mean, you see it here with the Twins. They've already admitted they're cutting payroll for next year, um, and, and that's you know league wide. I mean, the Seattle Mariners, um, you know, made they traded A. Eugenio Suarez, the third baseman. Um, Jared Kelenic, it's, he, he was one of their top prospects. He's 
he's had some time in the big leagues and hasn't really had success, but those guys got traded in salary dumps. Um, and their front office was pretty clear about that. Juan Soto getting traded um, to the Yankees. I mean, the Padres want to compete, but they needed Juan Soto's. He's supposed to make $30 million next year. Um, you know, they, they can afford that. So especially with how many, how much pitching they need. So there, there's a lot of teams, especially that are, have Valley sports deals. Mariners are not Valley sports, um, but they're, I, I was reading about their TV situation as it got moved to on their cable, like a higher price package. Um, and so a lot of people are not going to pay the higher price package and their budget got cut. Um, so you're, you're you're seeing it, whether it's Valley Sports or other, you know, TV networks besides maybe Yan- Yankees have their own, Cubs have their own, which that, that helps them. But um, I, I think this period of uncertainty where teams are, I, I think long run, it'll probably help them where they're, they're going to make money off their TV, owning the TV rights. But in the short term, I think just the uncertainty is causing teams to be like, how much do we really want to spend right now? What was the general vibe with the twins, Derek Falvey, Rocco Baldelli? Like, where where are they at with where they think their off season is and kind of the plan going forward the next few months? Yeah, Derek Falvey said it's almost like they're still in the filling out phase on the trade market, and it seems like that's going to be you know where they're they're going to start. I mean, they, they they're open to signing for agents, um, but it seems like payroll wise, they're not they're not in a position where they have to cut payroll. Um, I think you saw that when they kept Kyle Farmer, who, you know, he could be a $7 million backup right now. Um, you know, if, if they were tight on payroll, they, they, they probably would have released him um, earlier last month and not ha- had to commit that money. But I, I don't get the sense that there's that much room to sign for agents right now. So you're probably gonna have to make a trade and that'll open up some funds or you just make trades and, um, you know, that, that's how you get your team to get better. But, you know, he, he called it the, still the feeling out phase. He's like, it weird, says it feels weird to say that in early December. Maybe that stretches out till January. Who knows? I mean, the it, it seems it seems like they're intent on waiting it out until um, they can get some trades to happen. I mean, they have some obvious trade candidates. Um, I wouldn't say any of them are on the trade block that they must trade them, but like Jorge Polanco is going to make ten million dollars next year. Max Kepler, ten million dollars. Christian Vasquez, ten million dollars. Kyle Farmer, seven million or so. So um, you know, you know, those guys come front of mind just because of their salaries. They're all pretty close to free agency again. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think they're just kind of in the the wait and see mode. But also talking to like Rocco, I mean, he's he feels pretty confident about the roster. I mean, just coming off what they did, and I know you lose Sonny Gray, you lose Kenta Maeda, um, but you look at what kind of the offense could do. I mean, Carlos Correa was hurt most of last season um, from plantar fasciitis, and that's that's healed. Um, and what you saw in the playoffs, if he could kind of return to what he usually does, I mean, that that gives some optimism. A full season of Royce Lewis. This is his first healthy off season, and uh, you know, several years. Um, so it, th- there's a lot of internal excitement in terms of um, a lot of stars underperformed. Byron Buxton did not have a good offensive season last year. Um, that if, you know, you get two of those guys having great years, um, you know, that, that can make up for some things. I'm going to get back to Buxton in a minute, maybe Lewis too. You mentioned trade candidates. I got a listener question a couple days ago and I kind of addressed it on yesterday's show, but I'm curious to get your perspective. It was kind of a two-part question. One was out of Kepler or Polanco, which one do you think has more trade value? And the other part of it was what kind of trade do you think they would make if they made a deal with one of those guys? Is it more of a kind of a one for one swap, like need for need at the major league level? Or would you do kind of more of a prospect accumulation in a deal like that and then use the money freed up to then go get something else that you need? 
Yeah, I think that's what they're weighing. Um, I, I do think teams like Kepler a little bit more than Polanco in terms of he's a guy, you saw it last year, I mean, he's a guy who, when you took the shift away, I think a lot of teams thought he would benefit, and he, he did have a great second half, um, great defender in right field. Some teams think he should be, a, he's a possible center fielder. They, they see him as a, that, that increases his value, um, and, and a guy who could hit 30 homers in some ballpark. So I, I think he probably is a little bit higher than Polanco, just because of Polanco's injury history. Polanco does have a club option for next year, so you could possibly have Polanco for two years. Right. Um, but I, I get the sense that Polanco means more than t- more to the Twins um, than he does to like a lot of teams out there. Like they, they, they think he's a fine middle infielder, um, but I, I think he's more of a difference maker that the Twins see him as than other teams, um, whereas I think Kepler, more teams look at as, you know, what he did in the second half is what they expect him to be like. Um, but I, I could see like Polanco, if you trade him, you could do a prospect only because you have internal guys that you could fill it with. Like Edward Julian could easily play second base. Brooks Lee's in uh, AAA. Kyle Farmer's a backup. I th- you have a lot of depth there. If you trade Max Kepler, I, I think the Twins are kind of thin in the outfield. Like you have Matt Walner, um, you know, Buxton and whoever in center. Um, and, and then that leaves kind of an open spot in the outfield like Kirloff. Played, mostly played first base last year. You could move him out there. Um, Trevor Larnock, but he hasn't, you know, shown what he could do in the big leagues yet. I mean, that'd be one of the weaker outfields, I feel like. So um, I, I feel like if you traded Max Kepler, it would almost be like you'd want an outfielder back or you'd have to sign one right away. Um, whereas Polanco, I, I think that'd be more avenues. I feel like they have more depth there. So, if you know, th- thinking about it that way, then how are they going to get more pitching depth? I mean, they've talked about Louis Varland, being their fifth starter, but they also like him as a bullpen option. Um, you know, and they, like you said, you lost uh, Kenta Maeda and um, Sonny Gray already. Gray, obviously a top of the rotation guy, but let's not discount Maeda. I mean, he was pretty good for most of the year last year. When we're talking about like rotation depth, that was a guy that pitched pretty well for most of the season. Like, you know, those are two spots you got to fill. And if all you've got so far is, internal candidates and nothing beyond you know spot number five how, how do you bolster that yeah and i think that's something where you, it, it might be polanco plus something to get a picture okay. um you know maybe a, a, i don't think they could try to get a frontline starter like i think that's like a pie in the sky goal um but it's, it's going to take a lot more than a cap like it, the package would have to start with probably somebody else and include those guys versus polanco plus something so um but if they're looking to get guys that can compete with, with Varlin for the number five spot, you know, or like a number four starter, I, I think that's more attainable. I think that's probably more likely in my mind. Um, I, I think they would like someone just to come into camp that you could say him and Louis Varlin, um, you know, if Varlin has to start in AAA like he did last year, that's okay. Because um, you're going to need more than five starters in a season. Someone might get hurt in spring training and you're going to need more. And I, I think they'll add, you know, non-roster invitees, minor league contracts, um, you know, and, occasionally like the Dallas Keuchel's of the world um, show up and give you a few starts here and there. But, um, you know, I, I think they're, that's probably the way they're going to have to do it. I mean, there's just every team needs pitching um, and, and free agent prices are, I, I feel like they're a lot higher on starting pitchers than like Lance Lynn getting $10 million. I, I can't see the twins doing that type of contract for a Lance Lynn equivalent. Here's a good, here's an interesting question, a way to think about their pitching right now. Um, we obviously knew that, Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez were their one-two punch at the beginning of the playoffs last season. They don't have Sonny Gray anymore. If if they were playing a playoff series tomorrow, it would be, co- be cold. It would be, be nicer here than usual, but it would be cold. But it would also be an interesting kind of question. 
Pablo Lopez, your unquestioned number one starter. Who would start game two of a playoff series right now? I hear them talk about Paddock a lot, that they like him. Joe Ryan, obviously, Bailey Ober. Who, who would be a number two starter in a playoff series right now? I think if you asked them, like if you gave them truth serum, I think they would say Chris Paddock is the guy they think is going to step up. Um, you saw it a little bit in the bullpen when his velocity ticked up. He probably won't be throwing as hard as a starter. Um, but they traded for him for a reason. I mean, this is a guy they they knew he had a good chance of getting hurt um, and, and still you know, made that deal a couple years ago when they traded for him. They gave him the contract extension. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of internal, you know, kind of like when they traded for Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez was probably like a number two or number three when they traded for him. And then it became very evident pretty quickly that, okay, with a new sweeper that he added, um, that kind of took his pitch mix to the next level. And then over the course of the year, he became a true number one. Uh, and I think they see that with Chris Paddock in terms of this. There's a reason why we traded for him. He did some things out of the bullpen that we thought, okay, this is, that's what they got excited about. Um, and so I think that would be their number two. And then Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan, I mean, they've shown flashes of it. I think Bailey Ober had a better season than he got, gets credit for just because, um, you know, kind of the, the main stuff became such a storyline at the end of the year. But if you look at his overall numbers, I mean, he was he was, he was pretty consistent. Um, just hadn't pitched that many innings in his career before, and I think there were questions about that. But um, I, I, I think Bailey Ober could, you know, a number two, number three, um, that's not out of the realm of possibility. And Joe Ryan, I mean, he, two years ago, you would have thought he was their number two. And um, going into last season, some people probably thought he was their number two and um, just needs to kind of recover from whatever happened when he got hurt and everything that happened afterwards with the home runs. Byron Buxton is the subject of never-ending um, deliberation. I feel like every year for the last eight or nine years, they've gone into spring training either optimistic that he's going to have a breakout season offensively or that he's going to stay healthy or some combination of both. Sounds like they're optimistic again, Bobby. Sounds like he's on track. They think he's going to be the center fielder, but they're obviously throwing all the caveats into their quotes about, hey, you know, if they, you know these things are obviously subject to change. we got to have a backup plan, things like that. Do you get the sense they're they're pretty confident even privately or is this are they still kind of in the hopeful, not wishful thinking, but kind of hopeful stage with Buxton at this point? I think I don't think they're naive. I don't think they're going into the season saying he's our everyday center fielder no matter what. And um, you know, I, I think they look at it as like best case scenario. If he starts three games a week in center field, that's that's a great scenario. Okay. Um, and, and then I, I do think the difference now is I think going into and obviously I wasn't here last off season, so I don't I don't know a hundred percent like every conversation they had, but I feel like going into last off season it was like he could be our DH. And then eventually he could play center field when he feels healthy enough. I feel like this year going into spring training, it's he's playing center field. We're not, you know, if he ends up as a DH for a game here, that's fine, but he's not going to be the full-time DH. And I feel like that's the big difference in terms of, you know, if he's not healthy enough to play center field, then he might not be healthy enough to be on the roster um, compared to last year where they were content with him being the everyday DH and um, he struggled in that role. Royce Lewis showed how much he means to this team. I mean, not just obviously the regular season was very good. Postseason, he became almost this cult hero in, you know, you know, four, five, six games. Um, but he hasn't stayed healthy either. Like he's, you know, he's had ACL problems, he's had the oblique. Like, you know, how do they kind of prepare for that scenario where, you know, Buxton's got his own injury history? Correa, you know, played through a lot last year, but he's he's got his own. And then Lewis, you know, you'd like to think those are freak things, but when enough things happen and stack up on top of each other, it's hard to, I guess, it's hard to count on 
someone that you're counting on so much when they have an injury history. Yeah. I mean, I think they're more confident in him playing a full season than like Buxton. I, I think they group those two in different camps. Um, obviously he has the injury history, but I think they see him, he's going to play third base. He's going to be your everyday third baseman. Um, you know, when he, when he got injured a little bit early on, like he played center and, you know, had to play against the wall and that's how he got hurt. Um, I, I think them sticking with him in one position that, that gives him kind of, okay, we're more comfortable that way. Um, obviously he had the oblique last year, um, but in the hamstring, but I think they view that more as kind of flukes. Um, you know, not that, that they couldn't do those, you know, injures oblique or injures hamstring again. Um, but he's going to play hard. That's just his style of playing. Um, and, and they just view that as that's what happened last year. Obviously he was coming back from injury. had never played a, an entire full season. Um, so, I mean, that those are kind of all in the back of their head. I mean, they're going to, they're going to have to manage him a little bit in terms of, you know, he hasn't played a six full six month season uh, and stayed healthy for the entire time. But I, I, I do think there's not really a, a backup third baseman in terms of like they have Kyle Farmer and stuff, but yeah. that they're saying he's going to play twice a week or something. They, they want Royce Lewis playing every day. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, one, one interesting thing is, you know, their depth last year was such a, such a bonus, such a boon for them. They'll have to probably get by with a little bit less there. And like we talked about the rotation is one of those areas, like Louis Varland's interesting. Like he seems like he wants to start. And I think, I think most pitchers want to start. That's, where the accolades are. That's where the money is. You don't want to be sent to the bullpen. You want that big contract eventually as a starting pitcher. Um, but he showed so much as a relief pitcher. And he doesn't really have that dominant third pitch yet. How, how do you think that sorts itself out? Yeah, you can tell talking to like Rocco Baldelli, you can tell he loves him in the bullpen, just being like he could easily be a setup guy, a seventh inning guy, just the way he, I mean, he's, when he's getting throwing close to 100 miles an hour out of the bullpen with a 90 mile an hour cutter, um, you know it's hard not to be like, okay, this is this is what he should be. Um, but he says Pete Mackey, the pitching coach, is really adamant. Like, I, I think he can be an impact starter. Um, he's going to have to add a third pitch. Um, he, he had trouble getting through the order three times last year. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of trust in like Pete Mackey in terms of being like, okay, if he thinks this, you know, let, let's try to give him a full season. I, I, I don't think it'll be a quick leash if they keep them in the rotation. And that's my expectation is um, just based on a necessity. I, I can't see them signing like three starters and being like, we have enough starting depth where Louis Varling can be in the bullpen the entire season. Um, I, I think if they want to move him to the bullpen, it'll probably be mid season kind of like this year um, where it's like, okay, we, we can make it to the playoffs without him as a starter. And then um, we're okay with him in the bullpen. But I, I, I do think there's a lot of trust in Pete Mackey's vision for him and just saying, okay, if he thinks he can be an impact starter, let's give him a, you know, at least half a season and see what happens. What would be that third pitch? I mean, a change up, some sort of like split. Like what, what do you think, what, what are they given? What do you think would they would even toy with, with him that kind of gives him a better pitch mix? Yeah. He, I mean, he throws a change up, he throws a slider. It's just, neither of them have been that effective, you know, good enough where he can feel comfortable getting hitters out that way. He has two great pitches. Um, and he just needs like a third good one. I'm not sure, if, you know, maybe they refine the slider. Um, maybe they just try to get him to throw the change up a little bit more and that changes something. Um, but, uh, you know, they, 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 he does have two great pitches to start off with. Um, so it's just, can he get the third that makes it where he can be pitching in the fifth inning? Because it's almost like, if you look at his stats, it's almost like first two innings, great. Sec, you know, third and fourth, fine. And then anything after the fifth is when he gets blown up. Right. Um, and, so, and so, I mean, it's just, can you get through the third time through the order? You just need something to give him a different look. Um, but it, I don't think it necessarily has to be a, a pitch that's as good as his fastball or cutter. 
final thing for you, Bobby, appreciating the time here. Like if, if things aren't hot right now, when, when's the stove warm up? Is it, you say January? And if, I mean, they've, they've signed guys at all different times. They've made trades right up until right before the season. Like things are surprising, but do, do you think they have a sense of when the market might shake free a little bit more? I think it'll be probably closer to January. Um, just based off that they need, they need a few more outfielders to go off the board. Um, like Otani first off is going to have to go off the board. Cause you're going to need some of those teams that, um, you know, the big money teams, those are going to be the ones, um, chasing after guys. Um, but I, I, I do think they're kind of in like the wait and see mode. I, I do think there's guys they do want to add. I, I think they'll definitely try to add the center fielder. Um, they saw what Michael A. Taylor did for him last year. They need an, at least an equivalent of that. I think, um, you know, like Austin Martin played some center field in triple a, but he's not a, he's never done it full-time in his career. And uh, Willie Castro is not a full-time center fielder. So I, I do think like they want to get that. They're thinking about adding a first baseman um, just because Jose Miranda and Alex Kirloff both have dealt with shoulder injuries. Um, so there's places they want to add and they want to do that. But I, I do think they need some things to happen to make trades. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think they're at the point where they just want to make a trade just to make a trade. Cause I feel like that would have already happened. Yeah. Um, you know, teams have called about Kepler teams have called about Polanco. Um, but I, I think they're holding out for the price they want. And if that's the case, I think January is probably your best bet. Is Hopkins realistic or is that, is he going to be too expensive? I, I think it's possibility. I think that's just one scenario, but I mean, it, you want to add pitching too. Yeah. Um, you want to add a center fielder. You I, I, like if, if things lined up, if you had the perfect trade returns, I, I could see an avenue where you freed up enough payroll and Hoskins could be a possibility. I think, I think a lot of teams will be after him, but if you can add, if you get into a spot where they can add $15 million um, and you're talking about $10 million, Polanco salary, $10 million, Kepler, you traded both those guys for guys that aren't making very much. Um, you know, then the I, I wouldn't be shocked if Hoskins is a possibility because I, I do think internally that's a guy that it fits up. It, it makes a lot of sense for them. And I, I think they, they are intrigued by it. Um, it's just, can they do it? And will Hoskins sign before they're ready to do it? Good points. All of those Bobby Nightingale appreciate the time as usual. I'm sure we will circle back when the stove gets a little hotter, but until then follow Bobby's coverage for all the kind of, uh, drips and drabs that happen along the way. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good stuff from Bobby, as usual. Good points on the trade market, too. Interesting to think about the relative values of Jorge Polanco. Max Kepler, two guys have been here for a long time, essentially came in at around the same time, have been teammates for a long time. Will they be with the Twins? Will one or both of them be gone next year? What is their value? What will they bring in return um, you know, Polanco's got a lot of versatility, but he's also a little bit more replaceable because of depth. Kepler just has that one year left on his contract. But if you're if you trade him, like Bobby said, who who steps in? Who is your Max Kepler replacement? Seems like that would have been fine four months, you know, four months uh, ago or four months from the end of the season when he was when he was going terrible. But he had a big second half of the season, became a pretty important player for the Twins. And if you take him out of the lineup, you take him out of your mix. You've got a lot of questions to answer another big question to answer before you go into the season so kind of depends on how much they like their prospects where they think they're at with some of those other guys waiting in the pipeline and really how much payroll flexibility they need and how much they need to add in other places let us finish quickly with the cooler a little hockey talk wild win streak is over they lose two nothing in vancouver 
They got the first 10 shots on goal. None of them go in. It's not always a great sign when that happens. You might think, hey, we're playing great. Keep going, keep going. But when the other team puts one in like Vancouver did, it totally changes momentum, makes you feel deflated. You're like, man, we've done everything we can to score a goal, didn't get one. And then Vancouver just throws one in at the end of the period. It's one nothing. Ends up being a 2 nothing loss. They weren't going to win every game under new coach John Hines. What I want to see is tonight, Back-to-back, they're playing Edmonton. Can they rebound? Can they win that game? Can they get back on the winning side? Uh, Fleury's going to be in net. Gustafson was in net on Thursday night. Can they get back and win that one? Can they can they get kind of get back and score some more goals again? Or, you know, will this boost from the, the coaching change be a little more short-lived? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see tonight, but I want to see a bounce-back performance. Even if they didn't play all that poorly on Thursday, I want to see a bounce-back result from the Wild to, to know that they are on the right track. And hey, if you're looking for good hockey this weekend, Gophers, Badgers, and women's hockey, number two against number three in the country at Ritter Arena, Friday evening, Saturday afternoon. That is a good one. Um, Always a fun series, always a good rivalry. Those two teams always near the top of women's college hockey. So that is one to watch this weekend as well. That'll do it for me today until Monday when Royce and I are back. Vikings game on Sunday, plenty to look forward to this weekend. Royce and I will have it for you on Monday and plenty more next week. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy your weekend. Back at it again on Monday.